Mercer, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlands podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 37. 37. 37. <laughs> I cannot go past the number 37 without referencing Clarks. I know. I can't help it. I know. I don't know what the fuck happened to Kevin Smith. <laughs> I'm serious. I love those early movies. I have all of them on Blu-ray. You almost have to tase me in the nuts to get me to go see Tusk. I just don't care anymore. I I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm... There's there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing to say. It, it's just one of those things. It's he, yeah. I'm Generation X. You're Generation X. He spoke to me in my twenties, man. I miss Jay and Silent Bob. I I enjoyed the first Clerks. Mallrats took a while to grow on me. Chasing Amy, I'm kind of ambivalent about. Chasing Amy doesn't hold up nearly as well. Yeah. It's just it. The dialogue is so stilted and as you get older you, you realize i don't care what you think about ben affleck he's not turning anybody i was uh one of i think like the five people who liked zach and mary make a porno that was a decent movie it was there was nothing wrong with it it was no. a perfectly serviceable comedy and i i really liked clerks too clerks too kind of spoke to me in a way that that the first clerks didn't I, I I don't know exactly what the difference was. Um, well, number one, it was a better made movie. Probably just in helped. general. Pro- yeah. I, I own a uh, a movie shirt. Um, <laughs> I mean, number one, the camera actually moved. Yeah. Number two, people talked a little bit more like actual people talk. <laughs> you know, Kevin Smith's early dialogue is interesting and certainly musical, but uh, no human being has ever <laughs> spoken the way Ben Affleck speaks in Chasing Amy. No. Ew. But. <laughs> But then, uh, yeah, just the latest movies, I just, I can't get into them. I, I like Red State. Red State, it was okay. It, w- it was worth what we paid for it on Netflix. Yeah. The, that's, uh, that and Jersey Girl were the first ones I don't own. I don't think I've even seen Jersey Girl. I think I picked it up on cable at some point or another. But then, uh, yeah, I, I don't need to see I'm a Mac guy <laughs> turned into a walrus. Um... I'm sure I, on an infinite timeline I will get drunk and dial it up on Netflix. As long as it's free, but I also have never seen The Human Centipede. It's just not yeah, a thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> this is not a subject I even remotely wanted to get on. No, I just yeah. How, how did this as, happen? As soon as I said 37. <laughs> Part of it is I'm punch drunk today. It's been a weird goddamn day. Because we, we, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know we had cat sitter problems we went yes. to san diego comic-con and we're thinking about heading back up to new hampshire to go to fun spot and play video games uh, like we did back in april yes so we need another cat sitter so we had a potential new cat sitter in today and she brought her daughter now first of all we don't normally have small children in the house ever we don't normally <laughs> well yeah well the first thing has to be uh, you're gonna see a lot of toys don't, don't touch, touch them, them. <laughs> but uh, yeah our uh, we don't have strangers into the the home office here and you hit it on the head when you were describing it it's it's decorated very much like like a 22 year old boy <laughs> with a budget with a yeah with, with <laughs> some money behind it 
uh, you know, things that would be posters. They're, they're yes. actually original pieces that are in frames. Yes. But, but it's all comic book shit down in the living room. I mean, they've got the, the Bruce Timm... Batman mm-hmm. and Batman Beyond sketches above the TV. My, and my Josh Adams Dalek. Yeah, so <laughs> it's just all comic book art all over the place. And so uh, yeah, this poor woman's on her heels to start with. <laughs> <laughs> While yeah, the kids running around and said, "Don't, don't touch the toys, goddammit. And uh, she did very well. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think we'll we'll probably use her, but it's just it's weird, and she's trying to engage me as oh okay well why are you interested in comic books it was the first comic book you ever bought i'm like i was four Um, (laughs) thank you for asking yeah it was marvel (laughs) team up with scarlet witch and so it's yeah just it's weird having strange people looking at your shit and and realizing you're you're almost kind of a mutant in their eyes because somehow you found a way to navigate through life without on some level, having to become any older than 12 years old. Yeah. Which has worked out for me. Yeah. I mean, she, she was easily our age and, and had the, the typical um, child. <laughs> yeah. Evidence of which she brought physically with her. Yeah. Whereas we had a cat. <laughs> yeah. And that's why we can afford Bruce Tim on the walls. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. And one of the interesting things, and it, it ties into the things that we do want to talk about this week, was she asked me why I bought my first comic book? Yeah, and it was, it was from the and I think I've talked about it on the show before. The Electric Company, yep. you know, when I was four or five years old, had Spidey Super Stories, you know, which were I've dialed a couple of them up on YouTube since. Um, yet they do not hold they, they up. They don't hold up. No. Fighting grammar-based villains like a neckbeard on Usenet. Jesus. <laughs> That's a possible title. <laughs> Neckbeard on Usenet. But right. uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean that was some of the TV shows at the time were my entry into comic books. There was that. There was the uh, live action Shazam show. Yep. On Saturday mornings. Um, yeah. At the time, this is back in the seventies, and this will be baffling to anybody under forty listening. But there was no cable TV. Nope. So. Wherever you were, usually you had three VHF stations that were the network stations, yep. and one or two UHF, which were just like local stations that bought syndicated packages of shit to show at all hours. Yeah. So uh, this was early enough that Adventures of Superman, the George Reeves show, yeah, was, that was on, on. Yeah, it was on two or three times a week. So, uh, yeah, those were combined with it was pre-direct market. So, yeah, the local convenience store had a spinner rack of comics. Mm-hmm. So I would see these things on TV on Saturday mornings or, you know, Superman, I think, was on in the afternoon for a while. They also showed um, the old Iron Man cartoon. Did they? Yeah. Because, see, I I was a little kid uh, in a... I was not in Massachusetts at the time. I, I was a little kid in Connecticut, so I didn't have the same stations. So what was that, like the... the was that the ones with, with like the old Incredible Hulk, where it was basically just still art with flappy lips? I don't remember. I I do remember him being shown. I think in like the Mach One armor, like the old, like it was like gray. <laughs> oh Jesus, that old. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of those early ones, I I don't think I've ever seen most of them. The one time I came across them was I was visiting my grandparents in 
Florida in 1978. Wow. <laughs> and uh, this is the winter after Superman the movie came out. So anybody who had any, had any superhero shit they were trying to put on, and all I saw, it was an ad for, oh, it's on at 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> then I remember parents set an alarm, and it turns out it was on at 5 o'clock in the morning on, like, weekdays, and this is a Saturday, so I missed <laughs> it. But I remember the commercial. I remember it distinctly, but I don't think I ever saw any of those beyond, you know, YouTube clips or anything like that. Yeah, I, I didn't watch a lot of it. I just remember that I know I saw it at least once because I was like, oh, there's an Iron Man show. <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and and part of where all this is going is, yeah, this has been the, the first weekend since, like, the 1960s. There have been no Saturday morning cartoons yeah. on any major network. Yeah, there was this, uh, uh, let me pull up the story. The, the CW of all fucking places <laughs> was the only one that still had them. It was uh, something called Vortex, yep. which actually part of in Boston, the local affiliate as part of it was putting in uh, Spectacular Spider-Man and Justice League Unlimited episodes, Okay, which actually uh, those have stopped because I haven't seen a new one get picked up by the TiVo in a while. Yeah, we should probably just go ahead and buy those on DVD if we haven't already. We, <laughs> we should, and there's no good reason we don't have... The Bruce Tim Justice, we've got all the Batman. Yeah. We don't have Superman, and I don't care that much about that. Yeah, the Superman one, I, yeah. <laughs> it was okay, but but yeah, the Justice League ones were classic. I've, I've got homemade DVDs <laughs> of a few of them yeah. from stuff I recorded on my own, but but yeah, we should really pick up the, the original ones. But it was, uh, yeah, last weekend was the last weekend with uh, any of the cartoons, and we didn't watch any of the new ones because most of the newer ones that were part of that Vortex package were... Stuff that is not geared to us, like no. Yu-Gi-Oh, and uh, I think there was a Dragon Ball Z or something. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not buying those toys either. So I'm <laughs> definitely not that demographic. Yeah, clearly, clearly we're buying toys. But <laughs> yeah, not those toys. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we need to keep the children away from those. But so yeah, I mean, it, it's just weird because a a lot of how I got into comic books was not necessarily Saturday morning cartoons. I mean, Shazam was a live-action thing, even though it was on Saturday. It eventually became a cartoon, but by then I was already hooked through the bag and back and was yeah. spending my, I got 70 cents worth of allowance. <laughs> that was enough for two comic books. I watched Isis. I remember that. I had the, the first issue of the uh, Isis comic adaptation. Yeah. I had a, I didn't get that. I, I got the sticker book. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't know what happened to it, but I remember because it was unusual. I, my 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 parents were not the sort to to buy me that sort of branded kind of merchandise. It would be more like, "Here's a book, book. No, there's no pictures. Go read." Yeah, I mean, it, and that was the funny thing. Just thinking about it when the, this cat sitter <laughs> asked how I got into comic books, I distinctly remember my mom didn't want me to have comic books because I was already reading. I started reading when I was really little. Yeah. Yeah, my mom loves to relate this story about uh, I was she was reading me a book about hippopotamus, and uh, the phone rang. She went to answer it and came back, and I was angry. I'm like, this thing doesn't say anything to me. So she started teaching me at least how to shape words out. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I was really young, so I was already reading, but yeah, she wanted me to move straight to books at four years old. And my dad was I grew up reading comics. He'll outgrow them. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Lies. Yeah. Just packed my 44th long box today. Still at least five or six to go. So 44 long boxes, six to go. The struggle is real. 
<laughs> struggle is real and it doesn't ever end. <laughs> this will be a real recording studio one day. And I won't know what to do because I always rest like the, the all the recording equipment on the long box that I just packed in between our, our two chairs. We might actually have a real table at some point. Perhaps the comics could go on a real table. I'm not that much of a grown-up. <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll frame the, the Batman pictures, but don't ask too fucking much. All right, I'll get some blue tackle. Just stick it to the wall. Yeah. But it's it's... It's weird to, and I recognize most of the main networks haven't had cartoons in a long time. It's just weird to me that they're, it's weird because it's not like you can't get cartoons. There's a whole network for them. Yep. Which we watch all the time. Yep. But it just seems odd that Saturday morning cartoons aren't going to be around because. Yeah, now it's like you can watch cartoons anytime you want except on Saturdays. Yeah, well. (laughs) I mean, you still can, even though, yeah. you know, we said, you know, no, oh, we watched the, the local CW when they put on Justice League Unlimited. We didn't. The The machine got them. Right. And we'd watch them in a block, often on Saturdays, but you know, we'd let it go for four or five weeks. It's not like we were actively watching it. Yeah. Well, sort of the function of, of modern day television viewing now, you don't really schedule time to park yourself in front of the TV because of a particular show. Yeah. Your digital video recording device goes out and gets it for you, and then it's waiting for when you're ready. Yeah, that said, we got to wrap this up in time to see uh, the last episode of The Strain tonight. Right. But, <laughs> but, I mean, the Saturday morning ones were always part of my superhero consumption. Yeah. Uh, again, it was probably really more so even the than the Shazam. It was as a little little kid. Spidey Super Stories was definitely what did it. Spider Man yeah. was my dude when I was a kid. Um. But, I mean, yeah, even Super Friends yeah. was always a big part of it. I always watched that. Yeah, and that anybody who was about our age remembers that one season, or maybe two seasons, where it was not just Super Friends, but Super Friends against the Legion of Doom. Yeah. And it seemed like there was at least sort of a serialization. It's there, there Yeah. Was, it felt like there were definite stakes to it. Before that, it was... You know, just sort of two or three shorts, it felt like, and Wendy and fucking Marvin. Oh, God. And that's just it. Like, are you a Wendy and Marvin person or a Jan and Zena <laughs> person? <laughs> Can't I hate them both? <laughs> I think you can. I think, but it was it was sort of a question of, like, which one was, like, less irritating? <laughs> well, Jan and Zena at least did shit. Yeah. I, I cannot tell you what Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Mutt ever did. <laughs> I remember they were there. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, all I remember from them is when they, not even pastiched them, they updated them in Outsiders and turned Wonder Mutt into a monster. That's right. That That's killed right. them both. Well. <laughs> which is kind of cool, but. It was probably written for people like us who thought that they were useless. <laughs> yeah. But then, and but yeah, those couple of golden seasons where it really felt like the Justice League versus the Legion of Doom, and then... Later on, it really it sort of felt like it went into, yeah, we'll have a couple of short episodes. You know, Green Arrow and Firestorm team up against. Yeah. So, yeah. But, I mean, it, that was always there. It was always something I watched. Watched Plastic Man. I vaguely remember that. I watched Plastic Man. Um, the Yeah, that was never one of my big ones because it was, it was played more for laughs. 
It was, but it was still, it was a superhero story, so I watched it, because it was also the idea of, you know, this is a weird guy. You know, you watch Super Friends, and goofy as it was, it was still Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman, and, you know, they, they had... They are. They have a moral center, and they were do-gooders. And Plastic Man was a criminal and goofy <laughs> and didn't take shit seriously. No, that's true. <laughs> but it was likely to turn himself into an accordion if he needed to. <laughs> yeah, it's a. I do remember one episode where he was playing basketball or something against the. It, it, it was seventies, early eighties cartoons, so it had to have been against the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah. <laughs> That, yeah, he just reached across the court and kept looping his arm through the basket. <laughs> Two, four, six. But that's, I just had a flash of that. That's the only thing I can remember from that one. But Yeah, I, I liked it be, I liked it because it wasn't Richie Rich. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Nobody like watched Richie Rich. Heath Cliff. Or, like, the, these were all on around the same time. So it was sort of like, yeah, you had your Saturday morning cartoons, some of them were better than others. So some of them you were just sitting through to mark time until you got to the ones that you wanted to see. Yeah. But it was also that kind of model forced people into at least giving superheroes a chance. Yeah. You know, because, uh, yeah, it's, if you wanted to sit there and, yeah, if, if Heathcliff was your thing. He wasn't. Um, one, well, <laughs> it wasn't anybody's. That's why it's, <laughs> you even find it in the newspapers anymore? You can even find a newspaper What's a anymore. Newspaper? Yeah, good point. All right. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, Spider-Man and his amazing friends, I loved that show. I love that show. I watched that. That's another one that doesn't necessarily hold up it as well. It does not hold up. But, I mean, compared to... See, that's the other thing. Where I grew up, even the 1960s Spider-Man, I never saw that. It was never on. So that was the first cartoon Spider-Man that I got. And it was relatively decent, comparatively. I used to watch... It was... It wasn't a full-on Fantastic Four. It was just sort of the adventures of the thing, but like, like he had bonded with like a little kid named Benji, and Benji oh, yeah, could turn they, into the thing. Yeah, they Captain Marveled him up or yeah. something. He'd, <laughs> he'd clang his wristbands together yeah. or something and become the thing. Yeah, that was like late seventies. I watched the hell out of that because there was an early eighties uh, Fantastic Four. Yep. that was uh, Mister Fantastic, Invisible Woman. Uh, the thing and Herbie, <laughs> yeah. Because I, I, sw- I forget where I read this, but somebody on the executive level said we can't have the human cor- torch. Kids are going to set themselves on fire. <laughs> I wanted to set Herbie on fucking fire. <laughs> human torch is the coolest one when you're you know nine, ten years yeah. old. Yeah, you, you don't get how funny the thing really is you know, until you're a little bit older. And realize he just wants to pour beer down his head and get laid. That's really all he wants. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, there were superheroes all over that. What? There was a Hulk one. Yep. It was. Was it the Hulk thing? It was like the Hulk something power hour. Uh. uh yeah. If only you had a device that would uh, that would ask the sum of human knowledge. If I put Hulk Power Hour, am I going to get like that weird drinking game? No, but you might get some very interesting <laughs> pornography. Hip hop Power Hour. Yeah, Hulk I share. I don't think that's. Don't yeah, think that's right. right. Maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering <laughs> the Black Power Hour versus Hulk Hogan. Okay, yeah, I've misremembered something. I've made a terrible mistake. The Kid Super Power Hour with Shazam. Oh shit, that was it. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was the animated uh, Captain Marvel. Okay. The, that was later on. I want to say that was uh, 82, 83, 84, something like that. Yeah. This was 1981 to 1982. It had a one-year run. Okay. So, yeah, that would have probably coincided with probably the year after Shazam and Mighty Isis went off because they were matched up, too. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then they had something that spun off after this, a Hero High group of students attend a high school for superheroes. Yeah, uh, that's not the that's not the Hero High I remember. But no. But yeah, um, yeah. What a, what other superhero ones were on during during the eighties? See, the problem is toward the mid eighties there was probably superpowers, which I think was the basis of the the action figures, which were like the first cool superhero action figures that you could get. I mean, it, mo- mostly what I remember from the 80s we already sort of touched on was the uh, Spider-Man, the Amazing Spider-Man and his, his friends. Yeah, Spider-Man and his Amazing, amazing friends. friends. Sorry, yeah. Um, and then that sort of evolved over time and went started to go down that kind of like Madam Web sort of, that was in the 90s. Yeah, that was mid-90s. Yeah. That was after X-Men, I think. Right. Um but I mean, see, that's that's the other thing. We we're very much children of the '70s and the '80s. Yeah. But for the generation behind us, it's into comic books. You know, yeah. I mean, I watch those cartoons too. I, I watch them a little differently. I was hungover. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, you get home at two o'clock in the morning on Saturday and sort of haul yourself out of bed and eat a lot of Dunkin' Donuts so you don't die. And yeah, I watched X Men and Spider Man. Um. Batman Beyond I watched a lot. I I didn't watch any of those, I think, until until like they started to come out on DVD. My sister was more inclined to watch those. The uh the those The Bruce Tim yeah. ones or Yeah, see the and the thing is I've and I gotta be res- misremembering this. Although maybe not. I distinctly remember being in college in the early nineties and that Batman the Animated Series was syndicated Monday through Friday at like 4 o'clock. Right. So that wasn't really a Saturday morning cartoon as far as I remember. Batman Beyond was definitely Saturday mornings. And I want to say the last season of Batman the Animated Series was Saturday mornings because I remember, again, hungover. <laughs> when are you but, not hungover, Rob? Um, not now. I'm actively drinking. But <laughs> but no, I distinctly remember uh, hungover, seeing the episodes where it's three kids swapping Batman stories, and that was the one... That had the Dark Knight Returns with the Frank oh, yeah, Miller yeah, yeah, style. Yeah, 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 that was a good one. And uh, what's his face? Uh, it was Ham Tyler on V, and it was in Scanners. And oh, Michael Ironside. Yeah, he was the voice of Batman. Yeah, they flat out went, "I'm the surgeon." I'm like, "This is awesome! I gotta, <laughs> I gotta pick these out when they come up on VHS." Because yeah, it would have been '97 or something. But I would, I would watch almost anything that had. Even a nod to superheroes, um, like I, I would watch Mighty Mouse. Like I, I would. Oh, I wouldn't because he, he sniffed his magic flower and that was cocaine. <laughs> and and we know this because that's what my mom said. <laughs> Look, Mighty Mouse is a little, a little underneath what I was going for because yeah, even that was that was probably nine or ten when that came out. Um, but I would, I would watch that. I would watch. Um, Things I wouldn't watch, though, and they skirt the edge of, I suppose, superhero. Like, I wasn't a He-Man person. Like, I, I didn't watch Thundercats. Like, those kind of 
super powered fantasy groups. Yeah, see, I was never a big fantasy guy. My my brother liked those, so a lot of times they'd be on in the morning before school because it would shut them the fuck up. <laughs> you know, I was too young to get chloroform, so fine, whatever, put He Man on. I don't care. Yeah. But no, I was always more just straight up superhero action, and and the, in its own way, that's bad because. That means I never really watched, uh, what was it, I think the Herculoids? Yeah. Um, and Thundar the Barbarian. One of those was all Jack Kirby art. Oh, yeah. And I just said, uh, no, that's not my thing. So I missed out on that. But in its own way, you know, I got into superheroes by accident because of this stuff just being on TV. Is this potentially bad for comics that... These things are out there, but now you need to seek them out. You're not going to find them by accident. I well, mean, but I, I don't think I don't think it's delivered quite in the same way because kids can come home on an afternoon now, and there's cartoons on. Yeah, they are, but I mean, when it comes to superhero cartoons, I mean, Jesus, Cartoon Network's burning off Beware the Batman at five o'clock in right, the morning right. on Sundays now. Well, I think they they still have a targeted targeted sort of straight to dvd and a lot of it they're doing through adapting the comic properties to um movie form so you get things like um the wonder woman one that came out recently that was was it the war one or something or trinity uh honestly i Forget. I'm, I'm, I'm behind on Somebody the bought it. I didn't buy it. But uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm honestly, I love those DC Direct movies. It, it, yeah, I'm just a, behind on the last couple. Yeah, it's a, um, you know, they had the New Frontier one that came out that was, you know, really great with the Darwin Cook art. Yeah, and we picked up a Justice League War yep. on a, on DVD. That was that's not what bad. it was. Justice League War. Okay, that was the one. Um, but that's that's what I'm saying. I think the that DC is targeting right now, um, kids through these direct to DVD movies. Yeah, but that means they're targeting kids who are already into superheroes and already likely to get into that, particularly the DC superheroes. Marvel doesn't have this potentially same problem because two or three times a year they have a PG-13 superhero movie that makes a billion dollars come out. But I think, you know, yeah, they're targeting what may already be a pre-existing market, but these are also then showing up on Netflix or whatever. Yeah, so, that's true. You know, as as kids go through and search, you know, find a movie to watch, Johnny. Okay. Yeah, and and not having kids, we really are sort of a weird in between generation in that TV still matters. I'm not cutting the cord. Yeah, uh, I've got a top of the line TiVo that I own. Then don't get from the cable company to make sure, yep, get me everything that comes in on the magical wire. And don't discount also, you know, kids kids now are also more inclined to play a video game. And for them, it's a very movie-like experience. They'll play another, they'll play a video game through again, even if they've already played it. Because it's, to them, it's like watching a movie that you really loved over again. Okay. Um and so for that, you know, the Lego Batman, the Lego, all the different Lego ones. <laughs> There's yeah. a whole bunch of superhero ones in there. Yeah, that's true. Um, and and I think kids are coming to these stories in different ways. I, do do I want my 13 year old to be playing the Arkham games? No, but they probably are. You have a 13 year old. <laughs> I'm going to sleep in the car. 
I've been meaning to tell you. <laughs> His name is Vlad. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> Vlad. He lives under the bed. <laughs> of all the fucking names to pull out. God damn it, Vlad. <laughs> the fuck out of my peanut butter. Don't touch my toys. Take the trash out, Vlad. <laughs> Do your homework, Vlad. <laughs> Mommy loves you, Vlad. <laughs> Get me a beer and don't call me your father, <laughs> Vlad. Jesus Christ. Come to dinner, Vlad. <laughs> but <laughs> I suppose you and Vlad have a point. <laughs> Little Vlad likes to... Vlad feels very validated now. <laughs> sneak out from under the bed at night and replay Arkham City. That's what happened to it. <laughs> but... Vlad. Okay, <laughs> but back to the original. So you, yeah, it's it. It feels strange to me because looking back, I found superheroes by accident. Like I said, my mom wanted me to have nothing to do with comic books. You know, it's a, they were a, a weird generation. Yeah, I, I don't understand how it happened. When I was a little kid, I wasn't allowed to have toy guns. Yep. I wasn't supposed to have comic books. And you know, from that parenting, they went to Fox News 18 hours a day. <laughs> I don't understand how it happens, but it happens. Lack of superheroes in their life. Yeah. It's, in the end, their values changed. You can't have a toy gun. Oh, you're shooting your brother with your finger. All right, we'll get your toy gun. You, know, you came across Spider-Man on The Electric Company and Captain Marvel on... Saturday morning TV. Okay, we'll let you buy comic books. I think, I think kids who are interested in superheroes are going to find them wherever they can. You know, I I watched the the goofy Batman series when it was on on UHF. Um, yeah, you know because it was a superhero show. It, it, you know, it's in the same vein of like Plastic Man. Is it dumb? Yes. Is it about superheroes? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that that was on when I was yeah probably ten or eleven, and I did watch it. I was just young enough to not get the goof. Yep. But yeah, old enough that I was still reading regular Batman. I just had the. It's the same way I've said before on this show. You know, I used to get Spider Man and Marvel Tales, and in some of those books, since they were reprints, Gwen Stacy was alive, and others she was dead. And just sort of okay. Well, this is just something, you know, something different from before. Yeah. And you take it on its own merits. And, you know, my, my experience coming to comic books was slightly different in that, you know, I, I had some access to the ones that were left at my grandmother's that she'd somehow managed, of my dad's, that she'd somehow managed not to sell uh, at a VFW yard sale um, <laughs> right is, after my dad got married. Th- that, should, <laughs> that should be punishable <laughs> by lashing. So it was, it was like a... Like a ragged copy of like an Aquaman. I don't remember what it was about. It had no cover, so she couldn't sell it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But otherwise, my comic books were, you know, dad came home with Star Wars number seven um, because it was the first. Oh, with Jax the Rabbit. Yeah, with Jax the Rabbit. So it was the first um, story after the serialization of the movie. Yep. And I remember reading through it going, this is interesting, but I don't recognize these characters. And therefore, it, did, it didn't grab me. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what is this rabbit? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah, that, that first Han Solo arc was not good. It's a, I, I want to say Walt Simonson took over afterwards, and it got a lot better for a while. <laughs> like Luke Skywalker went to War World or something. It was all, uh, it, it wasn't War, 
like a planet that was all water. I'm gonna have to yeah. get that trade when Marvel reprints them. Yeah. Um, or my my parents had a habit of you know they would sneak out and go to the movies and they wouldn't take me or my sister. But then for like Easter they would give me like the four run mini series of whatever movie it was that I had wanted to see that they couldn't be bothered to take me to. So I got like the Raiders of the Lost Ark, like <laughs> four issue. I got series. ordinary people. <laughs> I got a rock. <laughs> um, <laughs> Brew Baker. What? <laughs> Kramer versus Kramer <laughs> miniseries. No, but uh, yeah, so I got like uh, Raiders. Um, I got Flash Gordon. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I think I might have won that one, actually. <laughs> no, you didn't win. You did not win. <laughs> so those are, the, those are the two four issue miniseries I remember getting. So it's like we would get them in the house, but like in weird ways. And I would read the hell out of them. But then, you know, that would be it. Like, until, like, the occasional other one would sneak in, like, a, a Thor, like, a Thor one-shot would find its way in. Okay. Or, like, a, a Hulk annual would find its way in. Like a giant size one. <laughs> oh, one of the, not digest Oversized, size, the yeah. treasury edition yeah. <laughs> style. Oh, God, I had tons of those. I remember we had some issue of Avengers that in it somewhere was like this giant pyramid type creature. And I think Scarlet Witch was in it or something. It like rose up out of the sea, terrified the hell out of me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So we get these occasionally in the house and it wasn't really until I had my own like disposable income and could go out and get things for myself that I was really able to indulge in comics the way that I had always wanted to. Oh, yeah. That's been the bane of my adult life. Are you kidding me? I live a block from the comic store and have money. Yeah. It, it, honestly, of all things to sort of re-spark my interest, uh, when I was living with my sister after she graduated from college, she would bring home copies of Wizard Magazine. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, but like, I would go through and I, I would read um, you know, different articles and get familiar with different artists and writers and stories that sounded interesting and so finally when I was able to get to a place where I had enough disposable income that I could hop on and it was a weird time too because it was like the late 90s (laughs) yeah (laughs) um well there's certainly worse times to have gotten into comics the mid 90s yeah (laughs) well the mid 90s when I when I first started you know I, I I was working that year at a at a private school for kids with social and emotional issues <laughs> and they had me teaching math which was just a bad idea because uh i'm <laughs> uh, not so much with the math and i had a class where it was like all right these two kids are doing algebra one and these ones are doing algebra two uh these guys are doing geometry and this one needs remedial addition so <laughs> so yeah you go ahead and uh you, and you don't have a classroom made so go nuts like oh, okay <laughs> so basically it was look guys if you can all stay on task and not kill each other and i and i mean that uh we'll watch cartoons on friday <laughs> and i would come in with like like videotapes i had made off of my mother's television of like the tick and <laughs> nice and uh the, the x-men um and and I would I would bribe them with those, and I was the cool teacher. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and, and, but that was like you know I I wanted to like my kid then my kids would come in occasionally and they would show me like you know Spawn and I'd be like eh. yeah. <laughs> you're trying too hard to impress me yeah like, <laughs> but like you know when I started reading about Transmetropolitan in in Wizard when it was still a Helix book I was like this sounds really cool I want to get that like, <laughs> yeah Dad I got into that late 
because I was at the stage where I was just reading Vertigo books. Yeah. And Preacher had just ended, and that was my favorite at the time. I'm like, well, I need something to fill that in because yeah. I, I need a regular book. And I was a big Hunter Thompson fan, and you can't look at the cover of that and not go, all right, he's doing Hunter Thompson. That's fine. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's how I hooked into it. It was just literally, I was in a comic store. It's like, I need something regular again, so give me this. Yep. And actually, before that, even I, I had, when I was still living with my mother, I was starting to buy, you know, occasional, because there were still spin racks in, like, the mid-90s at, um, at some of, like, the record type stores record cd stores yeah entertainment stores so i'd come home with like a, a mini series of like rogue I'm like all right i like this character in the cartoon i'm gonna read this mini series right um, <laughs> i think i have a gambit one somewhere <laughs> i think i bagged it and tagged it and put it in storage <laughs> like i you know I'm, I'm, I'm a girl so i bought like the the gene gray scott summer wedding thing i feel bad that i'm the words coming out of my mouth right now. Um, <laughs> I got Spider-Man's wedding. It's fine. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it was the little things here and there. This, you know, pick up an issue here, pick up an issue there, pick up a miniseries there, little bits and pieces of things. Although I do remember that for some reason, my parents let me have a graphic novel of Teen Titans when I was like in high school. I'm not sure how I got a hold of it. Um, well, it's, uh, by the time we were in high school, you know, at the time it was... You know, the big chains were Walden books, really, and Barnes and Noble, but they were starting to carry some graphic novels. Yeah. And Marvel, in particular, was making a real effort to put original graphic novels out. Let's Death of Captain Marvel was their first one that I ever saw in a bookstore. Yeah. I mean, I'm just you know, thinking back like, of all things, because you know, it was just such a soap opera. And I was like, Raven and Cyborg and their sort of fraught relationship. And you know, why? why is... Tara sleeping with Deathstroke, and like, <laughs> that seems wrong. <laughs> yeah. She's smoking cigarettes, <laughs> smoking cigarettes and Deathstroke. Yeah, yeah. I, I identified with with the whole Starfire Blackfire like sibling hate relationship. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't really until the the late nineties that I was able to start buying books and well in college though I, I i i skimmed books off of people so i would read like the whole dark phoenix series i i would read individual issues of hellblazer yeah i, I read akira <laughs> yeah i mean uh college you know you're broken college i think the only you know, like i said by then i was by the time i left college that's when i was sort of in the vertigo range because at that point the image uh, explosion had taken over so much and it, it was a whole bunch of books where it was just yeah that style of art and no story whatsoever but you know at least I knew I could get good stories and shade the changing man so yeah but yeah I had buddies in college who liked comics who never bought a single one but by god they knew everything that I had <laughs> that's just how that sort of works yeah but yeah and that's I suppose the other part of the problem going completely far afield in the days of the direct market, kids are not going to come across comic books, no matter how many cartoons or anything you, you put in their face. But I think they will. They'll find somebody who has them. That, and I guess that's where I was going with all of that. So it's, you, you, can take, you can take certain media away as a venue, um, as a vector of infection, as it were. Um, but for the, the kids that are, that are going to seek it out anyway, they'll find it, either through those direct 
to DVD movies or video games or they have a buddy who's got an older brother, older sister who has the books and lets them borrow them. They'll find it. Yeah, I suppose. And there's and now also it, it's everywhere else. It's in movies like The Avengers. It's on Fox before Sleepy Hollow with Gotham. It's it's in different places. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, there's a certain nostalgia for that Saturday morning experience. Yeah, that our generation, you know, Generation X, and I don't know what's right after us. Generation, generation Y. Yeah, sorry, you got fucked. Generation cares about Y gener- bother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had the ones in the '90s. Yeah, and there were, uh, like you said, vectors of infection. <laughs> That's not a terrible title. <laughs> put that down too. Um, you know, where people can come across it. Yeah, and the thing is, and this is just something we were sort of riffing about earlier. There's a long history of these things that show up elsewhere, oozing their way into the actual comic books. Vectors and- of infection oozing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that one off. I think it's a show about Ebola for Christ's sake. <laughs> But yeah, stuff from yeah TV and movie adaptations making their way into the comics, and we're or we're, radio even going back. Jimmy Olsen and Kryptonite were the radio show, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's even you know happening now with you know, changes that happen in Guardians of the Galaxy, yep. and you know that's why everybody is well, not everybody. There's a lot of internet chatter for people who are very hopeful for a Captain Marvel, uh, Carol Danvers version movie. Yeah. Um, And because she's shown up in Guardians books and there's been some crossover and Guardians of the Galaxy did so well as a movie, people are seeing that as a sign of maybe, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, I'd I'd like nothing better because I've been enjoying that book. Um, But, you know, on a a slightly smaller scale, um, Arrow, the TV series, is doing well enough that Diggle was added as the character the ironically named diggle who is named for andy diggle <laughs> yeah he, he's a cartoon character now <laughs> yeah and he's, oh, he's well it, yeah so he shows up in, in the arrow tv show and then finds his way into the book well the entire tone of green arrow has shifted changed. and is is intended to become more like the the tv show yeah and i'm not sure how much of that was born of the tv show because uh, when did that debut 2012 i think so so that would have been a year after the New 52, and the New 52 sort of took away the old hippie Green Arrow for more of a an old school, old, old school, no, he's got money and resources, and you know, Queen Enterprises is still a thing. Yeah, well, it, they, they had a web presence, so they had like a digital um, Arrow comic, but... At this point, it's doing well enough that, um, who's the name? Ben Sokolowski Lowski, um, is going to be writing it with um, the executive producer of Arrow, Simon Kinberg. As this is something that was posted on Newsarama. Um, okay. Ten ways DC adaptations have changed DC Comics. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's cutting short Jeff Lemire's run, which has been really critically well-received. Um so this is sort of a, a place where it feels more like, nope, we, we're we're merging these two things so that one piece of media will support the other. Yeah, but that doesn't always work because right after, I think, Infinite Crisis, was it Infinite Crisis where uh, where Wally West 
got killed or lost his powers. Mm. And Bart Allen took it. It was either Final Crisis or Infinite Crisis. They had the two guys who worked on the Flash TV show in the 90s take over for Flash the Fastest Man Alive. Yeah, but Flash the TV show in the 90s sucked. <laughs> it's, they tried real hard. They tried, but... Just saying. <laughs> I watched the first couple, but I think it was on Friday or Saturday nights, and I was in college. Yeah. I wasn't staying in. No. So, but yeah, they, they tried it, and man, they got Wally back quick. <laughs> So that's that's one place where it's it's sort of. But even the Flash TV show, not a lot of it made its way back into the comics because it didn't live long enough. But the right. the costume design from the TV show made its way back into the comics. That's true. There there weren't huge differences, but a slight change in the logo and yeah, the uh, lightning bolt belt instead of being perpendicular or parallel to the ground, you know, it had that thing pointing to his wang. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, wangs? Yeah, <laughs> I, I I have taken an anatomy class or two. Sorry, the second beer is kicking in. It's working out well tonight. But... <laughs> wangs, you say? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so hopefully, as these shows come out, only the good stuff makes it through. Otherwise, <laughs> in Constantine, we'll just see him constantly. He doesn't smoke. He just likes to dirty up ashtrays. <laughs> I, I, I can't help it, mate. I just got to dirty up this ashtray. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of glad actually that Hellblazer has, has ended at this point so that Constantine TV show wouldn't necessarily fuck with Hellblazer. I, I don't care what they do with the Constantine comic book. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've been generally keeping up on, up with it and it's, it's not. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. But, but it, you know, it, I would. I was pissed off enough by by how Milligan ended it before Hellblazer was was canceled that if things from TV or the movies started finding their way into Hellblazer I would be I I would be shrieking on the lawn. <laughs> yeah. We can't have that. No. The neighbors look at us funny enough anyway. <laughs> yeah. All they know is they every Monday they see me pull out of the garage with a white box, the perfect size for body parts. <laughs> I can't have, have any other reasons to shriek at me. It's a pristine white box. They, if if you had body parts in there, there would be blood. It would it would seep through. Yeah, I don't look like the kind of guy who's fastidious enough to <laughs> to cryo back my body parts. <laughs> Not even for purposes of recreation. Okay. Yeah. I, but I, <laughs> so, but there's. There's other instances. I mean, this was an interestingly put together article because it talked about like Harley Quinn. It was created by Bruce Timm and Paul Dini, and now she's a major player um, in the actual comic books and in other media like the the video games. Yeah. Uh, but you know, she would have never seen the light of day had she not first appeared in Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, no, that's that's true. And you know, some of these other. Again, vectors of infection. That's probably going to wind up being the title by default. Um, yeah, we'll we'll have that same kind of effect, hopefully. But I mean, Batman the animated series was spectacular. Justice League and Justice League Unlimited were spectacular. Yeah, you know, the Gotham's been okay so far. But uh, I, I, you know. Will we see a fish Mooney somewhere in one of these comics at this point? You know, oh, it's it's all but guaranteed. Yeah. If this thing makes it to season two, she'll crawl out of the woodwork. 
She'll be in Detective Comics, since that's the crime one. Right. But... But, you know, they they made some other points, too. Like, uh, Barbara Gordon as as Batgirl wasn't a thing until the 60s TV show. And then she found her way into the comics. There was a Batgirl, but it wasn't Barbara Gordon. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was kind of interesting. I hadn't really realized that the TV show had any kind of impact on the comics beyond... Um, <laughs> kitschy reboots for nostalgia purposes i got a lot of issues from the (laughs) 60s a lot of those batman issues that show had an effect (laughs) then again i also have some from the 50s not as much an effect as you would think it was already kind of there but i mean when we went to the batman in the 70s panel they they made a point of saying that the reason why the 70s batman became so much darker was as a response to the kitsch of the 60s oh sure in the book (laughs) yeah and and those are great. I got a lot of those issues too, and a lot of those really hold up for the modern interpretation. Yeah. You know, whereas, yeah, I, <laughs> I I just I keep those those one from the '60s, bagged and boarded, and they will they will pay for three days of my nursing home <laughs> when the day comes. Although I wonder, do we have instances? I I guess we do. Kind of. Do we have instances of outside media? impacting marvel comics a movie character or a um i mean certainly recently yeah you know the hulk hadn't been an active member of the avengers for a long fucking time he was a founding member but he wasn't on the team except once in a great while until the movie came out yeah um pepper potts hadn't been a part of iron man for a long time right um you know she was an early character and wasn't around at all through at least the 70s and 80s uh, until the movie came out. Uh, Captain America, you know, less so, because that's been really directly influenced by Brubaker's recent run. Agent Coulson. Yeah, Agent Coulson, now. Now ubiquitous. Yep, major <laughs> character in Secret <laughs> Avengers. Yep. But when it comes to the stuff in the 70s, you know... It's hard to say because the, the big one in the 70s was The Incredible Hulk. And sort of at that point, yeah, it was Bruce Banner and oh, I can't remember his sidekick's name. It wasn't Sam Wilson. That's Or was it Sam Wilson? No, Rick. Sam Wilson's. No, it wasn't Rick Jones. Uh, there was somebody after Rick Jones. And I haven't read any of those issues in a long fucking time. And just the name's escaping me. But I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he was already on the road and you know, sort of lonely and by himself yeah. and just going town to town. So, you know, they never changed the origin because it was a different origin in the TV show. They certainly That's never made point. him David Banner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the ironic thing is I want to I forget where I read this, but the executives wanted to change the name Bruce Banner because they didn't think Bruce was a masculine enough name. And while the thing was in production, fucking Bruce Jenner won the decathlon. <laughs> it's hard Oops. to believe now, kids, watching that Kardashian show, but once upon a time, Bruce Jenner was kind of a cool guy. Yeah, he was like on Wheaties boxes and yep. had all of his nose. <laughs> well, now he's got all of his nose and a little of somebody else. But, <laughs> um, yeah, the Spider-Man live-action TV show wasn't on long enough. No. And part of why it died was it was, in a lot of ways, so drastically different from the comic book yeah i mean that was really other than cartoons that was the bulk of what got marvel its press you know in the 70s it was the superman movie was getting all the attention yeah 
No, it was just, it was just a sort of thought that I had because there are so many examples on the DC side that you don't really see that same kind of symbiotic impact until some of the more recent. Yeah. Well, uh, even before the Marvel movies, the uh, organic web shooters. Mm, you know, okay. that for a while uh, under Straczynski's run, you know, he, those were brought in. Yeah. It's, all right. But yeah, uh, otherwise. A more recent phenomenon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in Grant Morrison's new X-Men, the leather costumes from the movie. So it, it happens okay. all yeah, over the all place. Right. Some things are bigger than others. <laughs> but. So, yeah, no more cartoons. No more cartoons on Saturdays. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And with the TiVo, I don't really give a shit when they're on. They're on when I'm drinking beer. Yeah, and for kids, they're on whenever their parents want them to shut the hell up and put a tablet device in front of them. <laughs> so they're on all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, you want to talk about some actual comic books? Let's talk about some actual comic books. What? We got three of them this week, you know, because it was really a big week at the store. They're actually, last week we were complaining, uh, not too many good books. There were a lot of really good ones this week. Yeah. But And then there was a couple, not so much. Well, yeah, that always happens, <laughs> and we'll get to that. But um, this was also a week where a bunch of characters had new people take yes. over. So yes. we decided... Since Let's focus on those. Since that seemed to be a recurring theme, we'd uh, focus on those. Which one do you want to do first? Uh, let's get let's get the Suckfest out of the way first. <laughs> <laughs> Suckfest, you say? Yes. All right. Lobo, Lobo number, number one. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. You know what? I think this book would have been fine if it wasn't Lobo. And I know that Cullen Bunn, he had a whole like interview, again, I, on Newsarama, <laughs> where he tries to make the case for it, and, and he says he gets it, and he, he wants people to at least try it, and if it's not their thing, okay. <laughs> this this book would have been fine if it was like a Japanese manga. Um, you know, just, just manga it up a little bit more and don't call it Lobo. <laughs> Wouldn't have taken much more mangaing up, but... Because <laughs> it, it felt very much like anything I might see on like Adult Swim after midnight. Oh, yeah. Trigun, Lone Assassin. Yeah. Yeah. Bleach or yeah, something. <laughs> all emoed up. So... Yeah, this is the uh, the first time where it's definitely the new Lobo. Yeah, I felt yeah. like Cowboy Bebop without the Scooby Gang. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, so yeah, in this one, new Lobo kills the old Lobo, and then he passes out like a common wuss. Yeah, and uh, we get a flashback of his days as a bodyguard slash Christian Grey from Fifty Shades of Grey, banging some princess, princess. or queen or something, yeah. and then he. Wakes up and takes a job going after eight other hitmen who are somehow simultaneously the best in the business and nobody he, we've ever fucking seen before. And, and somehow, like, he, despite being the best in the business, wasn't invited to, to go kill this Mark. I know. And, and despite his emo tendencies, he does not go weep in the corner at his misfortune. No. Instead, he goes to where else? Of course, they're all going to Earth for some yeah. reason. Um Wipes the first dude out handily and figures out who their target is, and they don't tell us, and that's it. And no, the target is Earth. Well, the target is Earth, but there's somebody on Earth. No, the target is Earth. Oh, check out the last panel. It's it's Earth. <laughs> See, I didn't think it was the whole planet. I thought yeah, no, it was he's... just a demolition dude who was going to use bombs to blow up whoever it was. The Earth. Okay. <laughs> well. 
be it the earth, be it somebody. Tune in next month to see if we start giving a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna start yeah. giving a fuck. So, all right. First, here's what I want to start with. If I need to read, sorry, not sorry, one more fucking time, I'm gonna throw this book at the neighbors, and I don't care how crazy they fucking think I am. Yeah, sorry. This is not Lobo, sorry. not a 12 year old girl who's excited to have an alt Facebook account that mom doesn't know about. Uh, is he going to say totes adorbs next? Is oh, it... Jesus Christ. <laughs> I can't kill the dogs because they're totes adorbs. That's... <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing that would make it worse. It is fucking irritating. Yeah. You know, don't try to force a catchphrase down my fucking head. No. I need to care about the guy even a little bit before I care about what he's saying. Yeah. You know, uh, you're going with, you know, and, and this is not Bun's fault. Marguerite Bennett in last year's one shot introducing this punk yeah. She, that's where it started. And for all I know, it's not her idea. It came down by editorial mandate, which I guarantee that's the only reason any of this is happening because there's nobody who thinks this is a good idea. No. But it's a terrible fucking Facebook selfie bullshit fucking catchphrase. Unless you were John Belushi in 1978, do not try to force a catchphrase down my throat. I feel strongly about this. I. Don't disagree. It makes me want to go read Old Lobo. Basically, that's all this book made me want to do. Well, I mean, that, that's the, uh, here on the positive side. You know, yes, they're going in this direction, and they they've alleged that you know whatever it was that New Lobo shot up Old Lobo with, you know, somehow was enough so that he won't ever be able to regenerate, and he's effectively dead. Like, or is he? Like, maybe there's a molecule that that survived, and that's how we get out of this awful well, this, situation this is comics and if this goes down the tubes they will bring back you know old lobo but the nice thing about old lobo was yeah you used him sparingly because he was such a big character that it sucks the air out of the room yeah <laughs> and, he, al- he almost had to be used out of continuity in half the things that he yeah. was used in so which is fine and and i'll i'll go on record lobo was never my favorite character you know i I liked him, but I never, you know, when he was huge in the 90s, I certainly wasn't buying Lobo versus Santa Claus and any of that stuff. It's like, eh, <laughs> that all was right. a good story. Yeah, this is okay and it's kind of fun, but, you know, I'm not going to go crazy over it. But what you got now, by by making this new guy and calling him Lobo, you've got a book that nobody wants. Yeah. Lobo fans are going to see this emo douche, <laughs> you know, Pining for his old woman in his dreams and trying to pretend to have some code of honor and they're going to be pissed. Well, it almost feels like, you know, they've decided in some DC next wave sense, like, oh, wait, maybe we can make this viable for a TV or movie property. But he can't be the over the top guy that we have now because that's just not going to work. I think they're overthinking it. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. And. <laughs> I mean, if that's what they want to do, do that as the property. Yeah. Because the other problem is anybody who would be inclined to read about some emo pretty boy who, you know, likes to stab people while pining for lost love. Fifty Shades of Lobo. Yeah. <laughs> you write that one down. That's a pretty good one. <laughs> but they know what Lobo is. They're not going to think, oh, if I pick up Lobo, that's the story I'm going to get. Right. So you've got something that nobody... I can't imagine anybody wants right now. No. No. Anybody who wants this story is already reading it in some other book with a different character who behaves the same way but isn't like fake Lobo. (laughs) Yeah. It's, 
you you could have made this anybody else. You you hit it on the head. Come up with somebody new and commit to it and go with it. Yeah. Now that's fucking hard to do. I I get it. You know, God knows Marvel's been trying to remake Spider Man with Nova and various other characters trying to catch that lightning in a bottle. It's hard to fucking do. But wiping out an existing character you know, with a fan base, even though it's not one of your biggest characters. It's not yeah. 15 years ago. Lobo on a cover is not necessarily going to sell anything the way it did in 1996. But Well, it feels like an attempt to sanitize the character the same way that you know, making Constantine go PG-13 was is, is sort of sanitizing that character. All the rough edges, all the things that make the character fun to read and to write, not there anymore. Yeah. And, and he's... <laughs> All they took was the attitude and the look. The dude's still chopping people up all over the place. He cut somebody in half in this issue. Yeah. So you're not gaining a lot that way. I think he needs more pouches. <laughs> that's what I've decided. That that's You take that back. You know what was nice? I could see his feet. Oh, for Christ's sake. <laughs> you know, Liefeld didn't draw a lot of Lobo. That's true. That's true. It's a lot of Simon Bisley. He's say, a very I, nice man. We've got... I was about to get to that, yes. actually. So... <laughs> And the execution of the book isn't even all that great. I mean, we've got aliens with massive weapons of mass destruction landing yeah. on Earth. Where's Argus? Where's the Justice League? The, none of that. Yeah. You know. God, our guys are asleep at the switch. <laughs> yeah. And the whole scene about you know Lobo trying to show he has a code. You know, and in voiceover caption saying, I won't kill dogs. That's straight out of the first fucking Sin City. Marv said the same thing. Yeah, you'd think at least the authority would be on this. There's no authority now. It's Stormwatch. <laughs> it's Stormwatch, but they, they would be, that would be their thing. They're far, far too busy being canceled. Ah. Uh, so. Uh. <laughs> and I, I don't care about the antagonist because he doesn't even have a name. Yeah. I don't care about the target because I'm still not convinced you're right about Earth. I don't know who it is. Where's the, where's the book? <laughs> uh, uh, where'd I put it? That's uh, one of these. There we go. Okay. I mean, I believe you. I remember the panel. I'm just I'm not convinced that having crosshairs on the planet Earth on some display necessarily means he's there to blow up the planet. Well, he just seemed way too excited about it because he hates Earth and wanted to blow it up himself. Well, and and that's fine, but if the guy's going to blow up Earth, why is he going to land on it and do it? Uh, they aren't thinking things through. Well, know, they're going to set charges and leave. You know, it's implied that it's Earth, I think. Okay. I could be wrong. I'm wrong a lot. Also, they fucked up his bike. <laughs> oh, the, yeah, the big unicycle thing. Yeah. It, look... I don't know whether I don't know why they're doing this. I can't think of a good reason. There was outrage when they tried it a year ago. Yeah. You know, and again, I don't give that much of a fuck about Lobo. But if you're going to wipe out a character and repra- replace him, at least try and make me give a shit about why it's happening. Yeah. You know, and and who the new person is. Don't care. Yeah. Nope. So Yeah. That one didn't work. That one didn't work. <laughs> All right. Which one do you want to do next? Uh, Captain America? All right. Who is the new Captain America? Well, we all know and we have known for some time. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, but it's Sam Wilson. Yeah. She's looking at the at the cover. Yeah. 
yeah, put Spider-Man on the cover. Sure, Spider-Man's going to be the next Captain America. <laughs> yeah, or Wolverine. He's fucking Canadian. <laughs> Black Widow. Russian. And a chick. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, Captain America 25, uh, written by Rick Remender, uh, art by Carlos Pacheco and Stuart uh, Eminen. Yep. So, yeah, Falcon stops Zola's bomb that he was trying to set off in New York yep. from the last issue. Uh, Falcon saves New York. Uh, somehow survives. Sharon. Yeah, they make it. They 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 pull this thing where everybody thinks that Sam Wilson is is dying or and well on his way to dead. But no. <laughs> yeah. Well, vibranium. Vi- vibranium wings designed by Tony Stark, where we're beginning to see a certain level of of the uh, kind of self involved douchebaggery that we can expect from uh, the superior Iron Man in the next couple of months. Yep. <laughs> Things are starting to come together. Yeah. But so. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, and uh, Sharon Carter is back uh, to accuse Jet Zola of being a mole for Arnim Zola, and she does not take that very well. She takes it poorly and goes home to Daddy. Yes, so... Bye, Jet. We mm- hardly knew ye. Well, I'm sure we'll get to know ye again, at least as long as Remender's writing it, but... Big Bardo wants her costume back. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, but the bulk of the issue is Steve Rogers announcing to... Every Avenger who ever lived that he's handing off the shield to the Falcon. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, Hydra sees Sam as a potential attack point, uh, thanks to an unknown mole within the Avengers. Yeah, and that that had me interested. All right, I, now I want to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who is it? <laughs> yeah, and they're setting somebody called the Drain off to try and work on yep. Captain America. I don't know who the Drain is. Yeah, no, he seemed like a new character. Yeah, I've never seen him before. I tried Googling him. The best I could find was there was an uh, an Invaders villain called Brain Drain. Okay. But uh, he was a brain in a protective suit, <laughs> whereas this was a dapper gray gentleman. Yeah, this guy looked like some sort of weir- yeah. weird albino. In a natty coat. So. Yes, he, he looked vaguely like David Bowie. Uh, Yeah. A uh, very, very washed out David Bowie. There you go. So... So yeah, um, Jet's exit kind of bothered me. Yeah, yeah. It, it really felt like you know, with the way it was set up that she was, I mean, in previous issues, I don't know if you've been keeping up with Captain America, but she was sleeping with yes, the Falcon. She, well, I, th- I think it was an abrupt exit because you can't have Captain America boning the daughter of one of your arch enemies. Uh, sure you can. Why not? <laughs> She had clearly, unless Sharon Carter is, you know, full of, unless Sharon Carter is right, she had clearly turned over a new leaf, was trying to assimilate into Earth society, was trying to help work against her father, had dialogue early in the issue that in talking with him, and if she were really a mole, she would have no reason to have conversation like that with him saying, no, I won't go with you. I'm not on your side. No, I, I I don't disagree. I think it was abrupt, but I feel like they were trying to set tone of, okay, you're going to be Captain America now. We have to just start fresh, and we can't continue this particular storyline well, at this time. Also, it sets it up for later on when she will inevitably come back bitter and scorned. <laughs> well, yeah, it just it, it felt really quick and kind of arbitrary. Yeah. You know, she just fought with the Avengers in this battle for on the word of Sharon Carter, you know, basically saying, Who else could have gotten the genetic material to create the Revengers? 
Yeah. To not only say, oh, well, this is serious, and we need to throw you in restraints. It just it felt like writer's plot trick. It's like, okay, yeah. well, we, we need to have her turn back and potentially be an antagonist, so here's how we can do it in like three or four panels, because... I don't know, remember, forgot about it, or, yeah, shit, I have to do this other thing, or for whatever. Right. It, it just, it kind of beggared belief. It, it Not not in the point of, oh, this is freaking awful, but it's like, uh, this, I'm having suspension of disbelief problems. You're trying to solve a problem here. From You're wrapping a writer, it up, yeah. Yeah, from a writer's standpoint, and uh, I'm not totally buying it. Yeah. So, um, with that said, that being the weakest part of the book... The banter with the Avengers as everything's leading up to the introduction of, of Sam. Of yeah. Sam, that was nice. There's a whole thing with like the Vision talking about how um, mini chimichangas just don't agree with him. <laughs> yeah, and just everybody clearly they've all known each other forever, and they're just trying to be funny. And Hawkeye standing at the big table saying, "I've got big news." The Hulk ate all their pizza rolls. <laughs> <laughs> Not the pizza rolls. Yeah. And yeah, it's funny to see the Vision try and be funny. Yeah. It's not a thing you expect. So it was kind of cool. Yeah, and him complaining, why is everybody picking on me? I did the only real joke so far. <laughs> um, so. It, it was a good book. I mean, other it would, the one little misstep with um, Jet Zola aside, it was, it was a good book. Well, it, it wasn't the only one. And I may just be reading too much into this. The whole, as the mole is talking with Hydra in the epilogue, saying this man is not a soldier, he's a community organizer. Yeah, really, that, was, that was a little... That felt like an, an on-the-nose Obama reference. Yeah, it was really, unnecessary. Yeah, I'm really hoping that we don't get into a whole you know, examination of the right wing... Having issues with a black Captain America, if, if only yeah. because I don't want to get forwarded emails from Fox News from my father for the next <laughs> six weeks or however long this goes yeah. on, six months. It, it felt on the nose. Hopefully there's there's more to it than that. Hopefully. Um, because, and we're going to talk about Thor 1 in a couple of minutes, uh, there was some meta stuff going on in that that I thought was really well done. Um, and not obtrusive really in any way to the story yeah so to have you know this kind of thing because i read captain america 25 second out of those two you know this thing that sort of felt like a you know dog whistle huh see what we're gonna do it, it was kind of jarring. jarring yeah now on the other hand since we're talking about it thor is this thor one yeah but yeah but before we do that who do you think the mole is i'm not sure i think it's sharon carter you think so? It's she was in Dimension X for X number of years, the same way Captain America was. Only she's no Captain America. Yeah, you know what? That would actually make the most sense because that would put her in a in a position where she could have been turned, I suppose. Yep, and she shows up just in time for the final battle, and just in time to accuse Jet before yeah Zola himself takes off for Dimension X. So I mean that's my guess. Yeah, now uh, that would that would that would make sense. Yeah, and and art wise, yeah, you know, the art was fine. This is mostly a bunch of people talking around a table, yeah. so there's not a hell of a lot to screw up. I had more fun with the one big big panel of everybody talking around the table trying to figure out who's actually out of continuity here. 
it's serious. I took notes. Thor is there, even though spoilers on Thor one, he got his fucking arm chopped off. On, yeah, you know, underwater this same week. Well, I Mo- think I can only see one of his hands though at any given time. No, <laughs> all right, it's possible. I could be wrong on that. But Moon Knight's there in his old costume that yep. he has not been wearing yep. since Warren Ellis and uh, Brian Wood took it over. Uh, Captain Marvel's there, even though she's in deep space in her own book. <laughs> Daredevil's there, even though he now lives in San Francisco and has no superpowers that would enable him to be in New York. Flight, like in a plane. Uh, yeah, but he's Might got a he's got a brand new law practice in San Francisco. He's going to come out for a quick meeting. He's got Skype. Maybe somebody. He's blind, not deaf. Get him. Maybe somebody teleported him. <laughs> All right. Okay. But considering Black Panther is actually sitting at the table, there's a dude at the top left who is either D Man in shadow with making his mask look the same, which would be very difficult considering Sharon Carter <laughs> killed him in Captain America a couple of years ago. <laughs> or it's fucking Batman, I swear to God. <laughs> That's funny. So, Hickman! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and this is just a personal note. When, when Captain America and the Avengers comes out next month, it is going to be the fifth Captain America number one that I have bought in just over 10 years. Can we just stop renumbering shit, please? Yeah. I mean, this book is only a couple of years old. Just let it keep going. You're right. That does look like Batman. Like a really short Batman. Yeah. <laughs> and Wolverine, I think, is at the top right, so I don't think it's Wolverine. It shouldn't be Wolverine anyway, because he's in the process of dying in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's Batman. Batman's an Avenger. You heard it here first. This is the only <laughs> fucking place you'll hear it because it's stupid. Uh, the show went on long enough for beer three. All Yay, right. Hey, excellent. All right. So, anything else you want to talk about on this issue? No, but I'm gonna have to go back and examine that panel now a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I had fun with that. <laughs> All right. So, you want to talk about Thor? Let's talk about Thor. All right. Thor number one. At Thor least the second one. Thor number one in the last ten years I've yeah. picked up. Uh, written by Jason Aaron, uh, art by Russell Douderman. Yes. Probably pronouncing that wrong, but. So, yeah. Um, starts out, Thor is still stuck on the moon, uh, yes. unable to lift his hammer. Unable to do anything, really, other than, like, mutter at Mjolnir. Yeah, just call it the hammer. The hammer. <laughs> the hammer is no. I'm not. I'm not doing a doctor horrible joke. I don't, I don't have the patience. Trying, trying in vain to plead with it to move, and it won't move for anybody. It won't move for any of, uh, any of his buddies. Um, his merry gang. Yeah. Odin tries to pick it up. Won't, won't move for Odin, who created it and enchanted it as such. Yep. So yeah, and speaking of what Odin is back, just trying to be back in charge, and Freya is still trying to act as the all-mother, and they're getting on each other's nerves, and nobody knows quite who holds the power at this point. Mommy and Daddy are fighting. Yes, Mommy and Daddy are fighting. Um, meanwhile, Frost Giants and uh, Malekith, the Accursed, are attacking a Roxxon Abyss-style underwater yeah. base. <laughs> Uh, looking they for... have attack sharks. <clears throat> Roxxon has attack sharks. That was awesome. That was one of the most <laughs> awesome things in this issue. Yeah. Oh, we're under attack. Send the attack sharks. Of course you send the attack sharks. <laughs> How does Silver Sable ever like break into their anything? They've got attack sharks. There is, <laughs> there is one moment in almost every Jason Aaron Marvel book 
that I read where I can just picture him typing it while ripping off a bottle of Jack Daniels <laughs> and screaming, fuck yeah, attack sharks. send the attack sharks. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, they're looking for something. We never quite know what it is. Yeah. They never quite show it to us. Uh, in the meantime, Thor hears about this, gets himself an axe and some kind of dog or troll or something to ride down to Earth. I thought it was a goat. That could be a goat. But <laughs> anyway, he counterattacks and uh, gets himself disarmed. Thank you. I'll be here all week. No. <laughs> oh. And uh, but meanwhile, back on the moon, somebody's able to pick up that hammer. Now we are not certain who. Yeah, they they lead you to believe. Possibly that it is Freya. There are enough hints dropped. You know, as Thor is getting ready to leave the moon and Odin wants to go back to Asgard, there's Freya looking at the hammer and saying somebody has to be Thor. But at the same time, uh, you know, there's always an element of physical transformation when somebody picks up the hammer. Yeah. Uh, But Freya, not blonde, white-haired, right? Uh, Blonde. Blonde. Blondish. Blondish. Yeah, blonde. Light blonde. Okay. But clearly a blonde Thor has picked up the hammer at the end of it. But again, there's there's a transformation. Always has been. So yeah. it's possible. I, I still got my money on, and, and I have not kept up on Thor since Original Sin. This is the first one I've read yeah. since then. Um, yeah, there's my, that sister type character. Yeah, that was out there. revealed in Original Sin. That's still where my money is, but there are enough hints there that that uh, could be Freya. So th- there's a decent enough mystery going on that uh, who, who could it be? Although if it's Freya, there's just the 12 year old part of me thinks that all that Nick Fury whispered to Thor was, Your mama. Like, just, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Actually, that would be awesome if, if Volstag was lying about not being able to pick up the hammer. <laughs> And just his particular physical transformation <laughs> is from short fat man to big titted blonde. That would be glorious. And I could picture Jason Aaron <laughs> ripping off a battle. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, he does decent jobs dropping enough hints that it, it could be you know, at least one or two people. Yes. Um, one thing I liked was there's almost a meta mapping of kind of what's happening in fandom yeah you've got freya who assumes she deserves power she's acted as the all-mother she's been in charge and equal footing like there should be no question when she says something yep odin just automatically assumes hey man i'm the dude i'm back yeah of course what i say goes want my toys back yeah so yeah and odin's just dismissing everything freya says out of hand so yeah, Odin's not necessarily realizing, maybe I don't have the position I always thought I did. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's kind of neat how there's almost sort of a meta. Yeah, it is a little meta. You know, of the, you know, certain number of fandoms screaming, you can't have Thor be a chick. <laughs> and, yeah, why the fuck not? What? Women read comics. Yeah. Did... Thor was a horse for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's a blonde dude with a ponytail for a while. Completely different guy. Yeah. So, but it's just, it's interesting that there were certain elements of that in the story. I just thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. But none of them were beat you over the head like, you know, oh, community organizer. It's It, it all made organic sense from a story point of view, so I thought it was well executed. Yeah. And uh, attack sharks. <laughs> Fucking attack sharks. 
Did but, we mention the attack sharks? <laughs> but yes, the attack sharks were almost, but not quite enough. <laughs> Look, I can live a long and fulfilling life without ever seeing another superhero get his fucking arm cut off in a comic book. Yeah. It happens all over the place. It happens in DC a ton. You know, it's it was shocking when Grant Morrison did it to Animal Man, but that was 1988. Right. So stop cutting limbs. <laughs> we know you're going to grow back or stick a robot one on them. It's not all that exciting anymore. Maybe he'll get a cannon. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> That'd be different. <laughs> Robothor. Robothor. <laughs> now with plasma cannon. <laughs> um, yeah, so push those fucking toys. <laughs> it's what killed Young Justice. Move those toys. But uh, the art was kind of interesting. The art in, in and of itself was pretty solid, pretty yeah. detailed. I thought the layouts were kind of interesting because unlike a lot of books you see now, there was a lot of white space. Mm. In a lot of the pages, there were just blank gutters in between the panels. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, certain other ones, it was obviously, you know, pages completely covered with panels laid into larger images behind. I just thought it was a really cool layout. Yeah, no, that was... And and even though the layouts were somewhat unusual, the story flowed. And everything, it was... There was a clear delineation in terms of how the panels are sequenced, so... There's nothing visually distracting. Yeah, and there were no storytelling issues in it. Just it, yeah. it was an interesting layout. I don't see a lot, so I just wanted to you know, make a note of it. Yeah. And uh, I just, <laughs> I, I've got a note here at the end. I think I was drinking when I wrote this down. <laughs> Not you. Yeah, yeah, mom and dad are fighting, and Thor's just going to grab a ride, and he's going to sleep at Uncle Tony and Steve's place. <laughs> <laughs> Under the sea. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh,. Of the three that we're talking about, I think this was the best one. And yes. again, I have not followed Thor. I like Jason Aaron. Thor as a character has always been problematic for me. I've said it in previous episodes. I can only handle so many forsooths yeah. in, in a in a given... What I liked about Thor, though, as a kid, when I would read some of, some of those issues, was that was when he was um, entwined with the Donald Blake persona which we don't see as often these days in the comic books. So the idea that he could, you know, go thud with the the walking stick on the ground and then transform into Thor, you know, appealed to me in terms of you know, maybe, maybe a god will someday symbiotically bond with me and um <laughs> and, and I too can <laughs> cuz there was there was a, a whole thing for a while where like um girlfriend Jane also was like bonded with Sif, so there was a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's got body image issues yeah. <laughs> yeah, to, to forget the obvious problems of yeah baby pound my staff and I'll symbiotically <laughs> and I'll grow a foot <laughs> yeah. whoever be worthy <laughs> not sure you can lift it touch my hammer <laughs> if I, you be worthy I said no goddamn Dr. Horrible jokes <laughs> we've gone off the fucking rails but, but yeah, I mean, there was enough in this, you know, as somebody who has not been reading the main Thor book as much as I like Jason Aaron. Yeah. Because, like, Men of Wrath this week was friggin' awesome. Yeah. It was just we don't have time to talk about every book that came out, and we had a theme going. We did. But, uh, but yeah, th- this was enough to let me know what's going on, get a sense of, okay, Odin and Freya and some of the 
larger issues that have apparently been going on. So it's enough. You know, I'll definitely come back for the next couple issues anyway to see how this plays out. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's a good jumping on place. You don't need to have read anything else. You don't have to have read Original Sin. You you don't have to have been following Thor up to this point or any of the other related Asgard books. Yeah, I had no problem dropping right into this. Yeah. And and I really enjoyed it. So. Good work, Mr. Aaron. Yeah, you just keep ripping off that bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> I'm looking forward to whatever next month is similar to Attack Sharks. <laughs> Thor's plasma foot. <laughs> Uh, now with multiple points of articulation <laughs> uh, don't take it out of the package for the love of god <laughs> somewhere rob liefeld's pray give him two plasma feet i can probably draw that <laughs> hey stumpy <laughs> uh all right do you want to wrap it up we should probably wrap it up okay so yeah you can uh see can find us uh i'm not sure where you found this file <laughs> you found us somewhere you found us somewhere but uh you can find us always at our home website crisis on infinite midlives.com we are on twitter at infinite midlife i'll remember it someday no you won't no i'll say that every week though <laughs> uh, you can email us at crisis on infinite midlives at gmail.com yeah uh, you can find us on itunes and uh if you do find us there do us a favor chuck us a review uh you know, give us a, a rating that helps people find the show, gives us validation, <laughs> makes us feel good about us. Yeah. And also it tells us if we're even remotely doing anything that anybody wants to listen to. Why'd you guys spend so much time talking about Kevin Smith up front? Because <laughs> we don't prepare for this show even <laughs> remotely. That's the problem. I like Tusk. <laughs> Nobody's going to say that. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Uh, I'm too sober. Well, we're going to fix it in about five minutes. Uh, we are proud members of the uh, Comics Podcast Network. Yes, we are. And uh, I guess that's it. Uh, this is the Crisis on Infinite Midlife Show, episode 37. 37. Uh, I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. And thank you for listening. Uh, and Dirk. Vlad, get me a beer. Okay. <laughs>